0: Turn with me, if you will, to a couple of different verses. We're going to start in the New Testament. I mean, in the Old Testament, at Genesis chapter three. We're looking at the Christmas story the entire month. And as you turn there, we're going to also be looking at at Matthew chapter two, and then we'll end up at Romans five. You know, it's obvious Christmas is here. You have to live in a hole to not drive around Mobile and realize that it's Christmas time. Decorations are out. Trees are out. Trees for sale all around. Sales everywhere. Everyone giving discounts, supposedly. Walmart. It's packed. Traffic. Is horrendous. Have you ever noticed? Maybe I'm the only sinner in this place. Every car slower than me is an idiot, and every car faster than me is a maniac. <laughs> it took me almost an hour to get Wednesday night from University of Mobile down Schillingers to uh, the west side campus, and uh, just traffic is horrendous. It's obvious Christmas is here. But you know what's sad is, how many of us, and I would even say the majority of Mobilians, will miss Christmas? We'll buy the gifts, we'll buy the tree, we'll sing songs, we may even go to church. We may even buy a kid a gift. But how many of us really miss Christmas? Because we get caught up in so many other things. And it's debatable where the first Christmas tree came from but I want to tell you what my opinion is in, in a little history here. Before I do that, how many of you have bought, how many of you buy a, a, a real tree? Raise your hand. How about artificial trees? Wow, the artificials went out. During the 25 days preceding Christmas, 34 million trees will be purchased across america 34 million my understanding is up in canada they grow these trees up in the mountains and the helicopters will go over they cut the trees helicopters come over they bundle them up put them and helicopters carry them over to the interstate or the highway and then trucks pick them up then they put them on trains and they send them down here to lowe's and i go over there and buy one that's how it happens And we go over and we choose a tree, and then we purchase the tree, and we haul the tree home, and then we fight with the stand to get the tree up, and then we decorate the tree, and then we put gifts under the tree, and then we look at the tree, and we sing songs about the tree. But what's the tree really about? You ever thought about it? Where'd that start? Well, in the 700s A.D., the Germans began to have a tradition of where on the day before Christmas, on the 24th, the town would gather and they would put on a drama or a play depicting the story found in Genesis chapter 2 and 3. The story of Adam and Eve, and you know it well, but of course we're, there's a tree there in the Garden of Eden, and God says, don't eat of the tree. And he, God tells Adam to st- stay away from it, And he gives Adam his wife Eve, and Eve comes along, and the serpent who is cunning and crafty comes to Eve and says, Oh, you can eat of the tree. If you eat of the tree, you'll be like, God, just go ahead and eat of the tree. And she goes over, and she gets her husband, and they pick of the tree, and they go over and eat of the tree, and sin enters into the world. In fact, we see in Genesis chapter 3, verse 23, the result of the first sin the first disobedient act before god since therefore the lord god sent him out of the garden of eden to till the ground from which he was taken so he drove out the man and he placed a cherubim at the east of the garden of eden and a flaming sword from which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life in other words at that given moment in time when god said don't do this and they turned around and did it anyway God had no choice but to separate them and cast them out of the garden. We see the result of that, if you want, flip over to Romans, and that's what we'll dive into for a few moments. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin, the payment of sin, the result of sin, the consequence of sin, is death. So we come along and, just as with Adam and Eve, we follow suit in being a sinner. And that sin separates us from God. It casts us from life, eternally with God. And what would happen is the Germans would put on this play on the 24th on Christmas Eve. That's why we call it Christmas Eve. Y'all think I'm kidding. And they would do this play and they would have a tree on the stage as a part of the drama and as they played out the Garden of Eden story, they had the tree and in the midst of this play, Adam and Eve would take their sin, the apple, and they would go over and place it on the tree to signify that they were placing their sin upon the cross. And that's why a Christmas tree was actually called a Christ tree. But today, we all probably have trees at home, decorated or undecorated or partially decorated, and we'll decorate it, water it, buy it, put gifts under it, sing about it, look at it. And we go out and we buy these beautiful ornaments and we hang them on the tree, or we have traditional ornaments that's been in the family for decades, but we always, but all of that while we're still forgetting. The real purpose. The Christmas tree was called the Christ tree, and the original ornament was the hanging of sin upon the tree to depict man and woman's sin against God, found in Genesis chapter 3. How far we remove ourselves from the heritage and the truthfulness of God's Word. Now, look at me with me to. Stay at Romans, but flip over just for a moment to Matthew chapter 2. They're separated from God, man is. So, they need a Savior. Saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, marry your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. It's a divine act. Verse 21. And she will bring forth a son, for he will save his people, that's us, from their sins. That's our sins. Now why... In the world that they name him Jesus. Because there's only one Jesus who can take away the sins of the world from his people. And Jesus means Savior. Hence the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve separated from God. The seed of sin being placed into our lives. And we continue down this path of a separation from God. Even while knowing who God is, not following Christ, not living out where we place our sins on the cross to which He died for us. And so here we are in this place of separation from God, eternal death, and God sits, turns around and does this. He says, I'm sending my Son, you'll call His name Jesus, which means Savior, and He'll save you from your sins. It's the whole Bible in a nutshell. So Christmas, even though it's amazing with family and the food and the pretzels covered in chocolate the gift-giving and all of those things, the simple truth is Christmas is about sinners in need of a Savior and God knowing that need and saying, I love you, so I'm sending my son Jesus, and if you believe in him, you'll not perish but have everlasting life. Here is Jesus. What will you do with Jesus? That's the Christmas story. How many people miss Christmas every year? How many Christians miss Christmas every year? How many of us will miss Christmas every year? His name shall be called Savior. Now, What's he do for us? Look over at Romans chapter 5. And this gets a little deep, and I, I don't want to spend much time on it because we don't have much time. But I do want to read this passage because it puts the whole story in a nutshell. It compares the first Adam who sinned with the, what the Bible often calls the second Adam, which was Jesus. The first Adam sinned against God. The second Adam, being Jesus, brought man to God. And we see in verse 12, chapter 5, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Now, I know we don't have to say it, but I'll just... Make one sentence about it. We all understand in this place that every single one of us are sinners. Oh, there's some who are better people than others, some who are more moral than others. But at the end of the day, we're all sinners in need of a Savior. That's why God sends Jesus. And so here's a Savior born to a manger, but through one man's death. Let's see what happens through the second Adam being Jesus. Look at verse 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Put these in columns, if you will, in your mind. That's column A, column B. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. So, on one hand, you have Adam, or us, sin, which brings condemnation. On the other hand, you've got Jesus, through his act, brings and results in justification. Look at verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, Adam, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. That's Jesus. 19, for by one man's disobedience, us, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. 20, moreover, the law entered, the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So on one hand, you've got offense or sin that abounds. On the other hand, you have grace that abounds greater than the sin. In verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death, on one hand, Even so, grace reigned through righteousness to eternal life on the other hand. I hope that we all understand today and recognize no matter what we look like, no matter what clothes we might put on, no matter how righteous we may seem, no matter how many times we come to church, no matter how many kids we buy Christmas gifts, the same is true every day. We're a sinner in need of a Savior and Jesus sent God sent His Son Jesus whose name's Savior to save us from our sin that we may have eternal life. We are disobedient. God helps us to be obedient. We are away from God. God sends Jesus so that we know God God turns around and helps us out of our darkest deepest place of despair and agony and separation from him and he reached down and pulled us out through a man who died on the cross that we would know a savior named Jesus and have that gift which is the first gift that's ever been given on Christmas day now the Christmas tree we see the tree you can picture one here you see it right That's the disadvantage of not having your own building. Next year I bet we're gonna have a tree. We got one at the West Side campus, and here's this tree. It represents the cross of Christ. Here's the sin, the apples, and we hang it upon the cross. We hang our sin on the cross. Here's the gifts that we put underneath the tree. And for many of us, we recognize that we want to give gifts to loved ones and so forth. And we say, well, it's because the wise men gave a gift or brought the three gifts to Jesus. That's a part of the Christmas story we'll look at coming up later in the month. But the bottom line is, the first gift was given from God to you in the form of Jesus. He set the bar. Now, I don't know about you, and again, I I might be way far, but... I just don't go out and buy gifts for people I don't like. I don't go buy gifts for people that I, I just don't know. Who do you... I mean, let's be honest. Who do you buy gifts for? Will you reach in your pocket and pull out your money that you worked hard for or whatever, and you go to the store... And you pick and you say, what can I buy? And you look and you look and you purchase that gift to give to someone else. Who do you give the gift to? Family members or friends or people that you love. Is that not true? And what God Almighty did is He looked at you and He said, I know their greatest need. Now, do you just go buy whatever you want for yourself? No, you buy the gift based on what the person needs or wants, right? That's why it drives me crazy. One, to buy a gift for a millionaire brother. What are you buying? Here's some golf balls. And second, for 70-something-year-old parents. Well, you buy? They got everything. If they, if they hadn't gotten it by now, they don't want it, right? Come on. So I have the hardest time with my brother and sister-in-law and my parents, the ones that I really want to buy the most for. I don't know. I don't have a clue what to buy them. So, you know, usually I'll go and get gift cards to restaurants because I know all I want to eat. <laughs> you buy gifts for people you love and you buy them things that they need and that they want. Is that right? Just like God turns around and He sees you and He loves you and, he, bought, and, and, and he, he paid a penalty, a sacrifice of his son, and Jesus was willing to go to the cross, to be born in a manger and come as, into a, to die on the cross to rise again so that you can have eternal life. He took your sin upon himself, and God gave that gift because, one, he loves you, and number two, he knows you need it. It's a Christmas story. The star on top of the tree, the Germans put a star on top, because that was, of course, the story of the wise men finding Christ by the star as a sign. And so the Germans in the 700s put a star up on top of a tree. And I ask you this morning, and this is the difference between those who will get Christmas and those who will not. God's still showing a star. In other words, God places people in our lives or things in our lives. He speaks to us all the time. His presence is everywhere. Those who will get Christmas will be the one who recognizes God around them and in them. Those who will miss Christmas will go through the religious acts and recognize, hey, it's a great day, it's a fun day a day to be celebrated but there's a great difference between recognizing God and living out the presence of God and I hope and pray that this Christmas in these 25 days or 24 days now that you will hunger and thirst after righteousness that you will look for a savior named Jesus that you will look at wherever you may go that you'll reach in your pocket and help someone else that you'll love someone else that you'll give to someone else But most importantly, that you will recognize that Jesus Christ, that God Almighty gave a gift named Jesus to you. And he didn't just do it once. He's active. He's present. He's right here today. And when you walk outside, wherever you go, God is there. And if you put your head on the pillow tonight and you're in despair because you don't have enough money to buy for someone else or you're... All anxious, or your family's a wreck, and you know it, or you're thinking about loved ones and you miss the Christmas season without them, and all of those different things and emotions that come with Christmas some high and some extremely low. Look at Jesus. Remember him, remember the righteousness that he provided for you. He is the Prince of Peace. And he's active and he's real and he brings hope into our lives, and I pray and hope that we'll see him. Now, Pam and I were supposed to get our tree. We were all excited, and we said, We're going to get our tree the weekend after Christmas after Thanksgiving. A friend of mine has a store all in Robertsdale that stays under lock and key, and the only time we can get into that store all to get any of the things that he he gives me a store all is when they're in town. Well, they went out of town the weekend. We were going to decorate our tree, so it wasn't a pretty day when I said, well, Pam, all the stuff's down the store all they're out of town, and I can't get in to get you the ornaments that you need so we can get our tree. The whole, that was our window of weekend. So we missed it. So that pushed us into Monday, and I took off a little early from work, and I said, let's go down to the store hall and get the ornaments, and let's get our tree, and let's decorate our tree. This was this past Monday night, so we go, and we're all excited, and we get the ornaments, and we fill the car with the ornaments, and we bring them back to the house, and, you know, there's boxes all over the den, and now the place looks like a wreck. But, you know, it's nice, it's exciting, and it's time to decorate, and we go to cross the street to Lowe's, and there's a reason we buy a tree at Lowe's now, I might tell you about it, I might not. And we go across the street, and we get the tree, and Pam, we're out there, and and it's like, how about this one? And, you know, there's something manly about pulling up the tree and holding it for the wife to look at. How about this one, like I went out and cut the thing, you know? She says, oh, that's perfect, I like that one. I'm like, it's kind of fat. She goes, I like a fat tree. Well, I've been eating brownies since. And so you pay for it, and I throw it up on top of my my car, and tie it down, and take it home, and put it in the stand. And in we come, and we set it in the middle of the tree. And I mean, the thing is really broad and short. I mean, you know, and we set it up. And well, that was Monday night, and we didn't. We ran out of time. Well, then Tuesday night was was some meetings with church. Wednesday night was church. Thursday night was a, a a. thing I had to go to Friday night Pam's getting ready for her deal Saturday morning and then last night we we're both worn out and then the tree still sits <laughs> when I walked out this morning I looked at and tonight will be church and then we'll go on and as I walked out this morning and I looked at the tree and I looked and he looks a pitiful sight he's there all by himself and not a single light and he's just sitting there with boxes all around and waiting on us to do something with the tree. He can't decorate himself, right? And I look and I looked at the tree and I was like, I promise you, you're going to get decorated sooner or later. Here's why I tell you this story. That's a lot like the Christ tree. We bring the cross into our house and we have good intentions within busyness and other people. And stuff and tiredness, and we put it off day by day, and we never put the, our sin upon the cross of Christ. And so the cross sits there waiting on you. Last year, no. The first year Pam and I got married, a couple of years, two years ago. My wife's from Cleveland, Ohio. They literally have white Christmases. It's cold. Her and her daddy goes out every year and buys a tree. They bring it in and decorate it. It's cold. It's crisp. I mean, all those Christmas songs about, I'm dreaming of white Christmas, they, li- they live it out. Well, she marries me, and I bring her to the jungles deep south, 65 degrees and we're going out to buy a Christmas tree. I cannot replace her daddy in that going to buy a tree. And I wanted to be, welcome to Baldwin County. And so we go over to like the real trees where they're cutting them and we're going to take them and and take them home. So I go over, how about this one, Pam? Perfect. Throw it on top, bring it home, decorated the whole thing, sit in the middle of the house. Everything was great. Our first Christmas tree, except that it was burning hot and wasn't white. But other than that, it was good. here's this great-looking tree in the middle of the house. And the next morning, I hear tears. And I'm like, oh, boy, what's this going to be about? And I walk in there, and she goes, there's spiders all in the tree. I said, spiders? I'm like, oh, those don't hurt anything. Don't worry about it. By that afternoon, I left. I came back in. When I came back in, she had a vacuum cleaner with a long tube on it. And she's sucking everything on that tree that would fit into that little pipe. Mama had given birth to the babies. And there's spider webs going in every direction. Welcome to Alabama. You might have a white Christmas there, but we got spider covered trees here. I thought we were going to get a. Divorced because of this deal. She was going home. She fought those spiders. I thought we're going to have to go take it down, and all of that's why we buy a tree at Lowe's now from Canada. Helicopter dropped. (laughs) She fought those spiders and fought those spiders and fought those spiders for three days, and finally, there was nothing left. You know, when you take your sin before Christ and you put it on the Christ tree, the cross, and you got God in the center of your house, we better understand there's an evil one, much like a spider, who tries to ruin your life and cover, him with, cover you with his webs. Living out the Christian life is not an easy task. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, He helps us. Just because we have Christ in our life doesn't mean that temptation doesn't come or problems don't come or things happen that seems to put a web around us or steal the joy out of our life. But I'm telling you, that's where you have to look to Christ and you have to call upon God and let God Almighty begin to unshackle you and remove those things, and you continue to be faithful before Him and stay before the cross every single day. Don't you give up, because God had not given up on you. I don't care what you've done or where you've been or how far you've strayed. He sent a son named Jesus because He loves you and He gave you a gift. And the gift has no usage until you open it and do something with it, so I encourage you this Christmas to one, consider going home getting a bag of, get an apple or if you 're a big time sinner, get a bag of apples. <laughs> and you and your family start a new tradition of hanging an apple on your tree to represent the first Christmas. Of why Jesus came as a Savior. And when Satan in the world and the enemy and life and tiredness tries to encircle you with the web, don't you move. You stay before the cross all Christmas long. And when you have sin in your life, and some of all of us are sinners, today, in just a moment, within the next two minutes, I'm going to invite you to take your sin and put it on the cross of Christ. I'm going to invite you to open the gift that, Jesus, that God gave in the form of Jesus and say, you know what, I need Jesus in my life. I choose to accept this gift today that he's given to me. That takes a willful choice on your part. Keep Jesus in the middle of Christmas. I really believe this at Luke 4.18. Brother Fred's doing better, obviously. Looks great, doesn't he? Brother Ed's doing better. It's an answer to prayer. That man should be dead. The building's going up. It looks awesome out there on Solly Road. We're giving tons of Gifts and money and stuff away to missionaries all over the world and kids in our own backyard and helping people and all of that's incredible. We have musicians coming next week. It's going to be an amazing thing too with a group called Impact and Veritas here today and tonight the Holy Communion. we we've got. I'm telling you, God is at work, but it's not because of these things. Those are answered prayers. God is at work at Luke four eighteen because He's choosing to be at Luke uh, to to be at work at Luke four eighteen, and his presence is everywhere, and his presence is real, and God wants to pour himself into you and I, and I'm telling you, if we will hone in and focus on Christ and make sure he stays centered place and, and under the help of the Holy Spirit, you will have the most amazing Christmas, and this church will have the most amazing Christmas that any of us have ever spent, because together we're going to experience God like never before.